So much great Advertising Week content, so little time. Snackable AI is now helping you navigate podcasts like this one, event sessions, and other content with chapters, topic tags, and more. Find the insights that matter to you faster than ever before. Learn more at snackable.ai. You're listening to the AW360 podcast from Advertising Week. This week, we're talking with Steve Austin Brown, Creative Director at experiential creative agency Avantgarde. Steve and I discuss how Avantgarde strives to create unforgettable moments, their work on the UK Pavilion at Expo Dubai, and how the metaverse and related technologies will feature in the experiences of tomorrow. I hope you enjoy this episode. Steve Austin Brown, welcome to the AW360 podcast. Delighted to have you on today. Good to be here. You are creative director at Avantgarde. Tell me a little bit more about Avantgarde. Well, Avantgarde uh, as an agency uh, was born in Munich in the 80s and and started life really uh, coming up with new ways to do uh, fashion shows. Uh, You've got to start somewhere and that's where it was born. Um, And then gradually, you may know Munich has obviously got quite a few rather large automotive companies based there. Um, They got wind of the events that were being put on uh, and really wanted to be part of that. And so gradually Avantgarde moved into live events for uh, brands. Uh, And then really after that start point has just explored different ways to create what we now just term as experiences. Um, for uh, many different brands and uh, Avantgarde since then has spread uh, offices around the world. Uh, I'm actually uh, based in our London office. Um, As I said, we create experiences uh, that tend to be live uh, for uh, many different uh, brands and uh, I think we'll be talking about uh, as far as we can stretch brands um, to perhaps even countries um, uh, in a second. But yeah, that's what we do. Great. Personally, I'm very interested in the experiences industry. So I have an innate interest in in what you guys do. Tell me, how has that evolved over the years that you've seen? You know, not necessarily where you started with, with fashion, but just from as far back as when we really started calling them experiences to today. Uh, well, I remember personally uh, to see for the first time the use of experience as a as a term for you know some kind of space that you would go into and uh, discover stories um, was when museums began uh, to explore how they could tell stories across uh, a wide breadth of topics that weren't necessarily based around uh, a collection. Um, so it wasn't. Uh, based around artifacts it was based around storytelling in its purest form Mm -hmm. and I think uh, you know sort of around that millennium uh, time you saw uh, museums opening some fascinating exhibitions which didn't have a thing in it they were just full of ways you could engage interact immerse an audience and I think very quickly you then saw uh, through uh, retail um one standout, I think, was Nike were very quick at uh, really explore, exploring spaces that were experiences rather than simply places to sell things. Uh, and really from there, um, obviously within marketing, um, it's become a very obvious way. 
to begin to tell those stories uh, in a in a live, immediate, personal, engaging way uh, that goes much more than putting on an event. So we we work across uh, digital and physical. Um, so we blend those experiences. You'll certainly uh, it won't be a surprise that the last two three years have been. Um, very, you know, a remote audience that we've been talking to and then becoming a hybrid audience. So we've mm. got a split uh, audience across many different places, and we, but we're still bringing them together, uh, creating, you know, very important for us to create a sense of place uh, that we bring people together, whether digital or physical, to tell those stories. So experience is all about uh, immersive storytelling. We, we actually call it story doing. Uh, which is inviting the brand to to really ask its audience to participate in stories. And tell me a little bit more about your involvement with the UK Pavilion. Well, that came about, um, we, we've worked uh, on occasion on uh, smaller uh, pavilions and smaller expos. And uh, myself and the MD here in London uh, really wanted at this particular time, so four or five years ago, um, UK's place in the world, shall we say, uh, was somewhat interesting. Uh, and we felt this made a presence at a global uh, event like uh, Expo a, a really interesting proposition. Um, so within the political turmoil uh, within the UK, to actually create a vision uh, for what the UK uh, might should hopefully, you know, hope B, uh, as we move uh, into more certain times was, was what we, that's, we really gravitated to that uh, as, as a challenge. Um, and so, yeah, we, 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 we saw um, the invitation uh, to pitch concepts and ideas uh, and very quickly um, decided that what we needed to do was work with the very best kind of designer who has a theatrical sense um, that we could find. Uh, and uh, a personal challenge was, can we work uh, with, a, with a woman um, uh, in that industry, in that uh, sphere? Because it's always been uh, men that have created these kind of experiences and events uh, for the UK up to then. So we thought, you know, again, really important opportunity um, to, to open that up. And uh, we were very uh, happy when uh, we approached uh, Es Devlin, uh, who you'll know um, as, as, you know, at the forefront um, of, of this kind of design, although she'd never worked uh, in something like an expo. So uh, together with Es Devlin, uh, Avantgarde then uh, put together a, a, a team uh, to deliver uh, what, what's standing there today. And what was the timing for this like? Obviously, the past two years have been interesting, to put it mildly. Was this sorted out before that, or was it right during the pandemic, or when did it all sort of come together? And then how did the pandemic shift it? The invitation for competition entries was was well before the, the pandemic. So we were well into uh, final design, if you like. So our team of architects, engineers, uh, creatives uh, were well and truly into the point of uh, prototyping. I remember actually in January, at the beginning of when the pandemic was just about to hit, and if you remember, it was in Italy, uh, in terms of Europe, that was the the, the seed um, uh, of the pandemic. 
uh, I was flying out to um, Venice and then inland to a, a, a really large timber uh, kind of workshop to look at the first prototypes for the facade of the uh, pavilion. Uh, and then within a month, yeah, the world locked down. So we were all ready uh, to, to start construction and build. Uh, and then soon after that, then the actual opening date uh, for the whole expo was put back. So, um, yeah, we were working on it well and truly uh, before pandemic and then found a way uh, to work with a, a huge team a global team um, across um, many different uh, parts of the project, from the content, the music, uh, algorithms was an absolute key element as well, along with the architecture. So yes, it was challenging, but um, yeah, we, we found a way. When did you actually launch then? Uh, the expo opened in October last year, so um, uh, 2021. And if you if you look at any of the branding, um, it is uh, Expo Dubai 2020. So um, having created all of the branding, um, they, they stuck with that as its name. But it actually opened October uh, 2021 and runs for six months. So we've got uh, a month or so to go. And what are the benefits to having done something like that for avant-garde? Obviously, you have the prestige that goes along with it. You can clearly demonstrate that a whole pandemic couldn't stop us. We still made something great and interesting and all of that. Beyond that, what are the sort of advantages that you see? I think for avant-garde, the, the key things that we wanted to, to test was our, our way that we created immersive storytelling or story doing. Uh, at such a large scale. Um, so it's something we, we will do um, and continue to do. It's a fundamental part of the way we work with our, our clients uh, and different brands. But the way we could actually engage with, with what was the design estimate of 25 million visitors. Now, obviously, the pandemic has, has impacted on total numbers, but you're still talking about an awful lot of people, uh, visitors going through our pavilion. Uh, and what we wanted to do was actually challenge our, ourselves to engage personally. Every single visitor then has the opportunity to contribute to the pavilion. Um, so it's not just a piece of static architecture. Um, it's very much almost a, a living entity. As I said, it's driven by AI. Um, and in terms of the concept, we invite every single visitor to donate a word, which is then fed into an ever-growing uh, piece of poetry that an algorithm is generating, which is then showing on the facade of our pavilion. So for us, this was the biggest scale that we've ever worked with that um, kind of invitation to participate for our visitors. So for us, that was an amazing opportunity. Also for avant-garde is really to um, push our architectural wing, wings, if you like. So um, definitely something like a, a pavilion at an expo is an expression of uh, of every country's kind of ambition uh, in terms of a story, but also in terms of a sculpture and a, and a physical uh, entity. So that was a wonderful opportunity for us as an agency to, to really look at that scale. Looking ahead, you know, I, I think calling it storytelling or story doing experiences is still relatively new in the whole scheme of things. Where do you see that going in the years to come? Let's take it a step further, too, and say, how much reliance on things like technology and AI do you think there'll be versus making really great stuff? That's an interesting question, because I think you can always assume with how fast technology is moving 
um, that uh, anyone or any agency or any interested parties that ignore uh, the opportunities that technology uh, give you is, is seriously missing a trick. So AI is fascinating because it is a tool uh, that enables for us the, the, the simple mundane and repetitive tasks to be done in a nanosecond, which allows you or the experience to do the beautiful things um, um, a lot more uh, real time, if you like. It enables that. Uh, and I think that's where technology comes. If technology is useful in the way that we can create magical experiences, then big tick for technology. But but you're quite right. I'm I'm so looking forward to uh, Punch Drunk's uh, next uh, experience that they will be launching soon. And uh, now maybe they'll they'll blow me away with uh, technology. But my my expectation is to be immersed in real space and surrounded by real people and, and have all my senses triggered. Uh, and I think wherever you are looking at technology, there, there's always the opposite going on, you know, and I think it's really fascinating that um, that immersive theatre experience um, uh, from Secret Cinema to Punch Drunk, um, that's grown exactly the same time as all of the technology's grown to enable us to do things within the dreaded word. And I said, I'd never say metaverse in this podcast, but there you go. I've said, it. <laughs> you know, that's where everyone's kind of driving, you know, oh, it's all about, it's all about virtual worlds. And yet there's something totally magical about um, that real physical experience that we, you know, as people we crave, we crave both, don't we? Yeah, I feel that the the metaverse kind of had a a bit of bad timing because you know here you've rolled this thing out that you know everybody's <laughs> been kind of thinking about and working toward for so long, and you know you roll it out in the middle of a pandemic, and you know maybe the hope is is you know this is what people will want. You know they're they're stuck at home or they're surrounded by the same four walls with the same people over and over again. You know family, and they'll naturally want to experience something else, but what everybody seems to want to experience is getting out of their house. So it's kind of a a strange position for all the the collective players in the metaverse to be in my next question actually did kind of revolve around that one of the paths that the metaverse could take is kind of an enhancement of real life the idea that you would be out at something like expo dubai for example and you would have this headset whatever it might look like hopefully not too offensive looking that would enhance that experience do you see that becoming a component of what you do or is that still too far off to, to tell i think it is because i think that enhanced experience is all down to the hardware you know the big players have issued us uh, glasses to wear etc it's never quite uh, grabbed but someone will get it right at the right time at the pro at the right price point and you will be able to walk through um experiences i mean yeah i mean there's a bit of a dystopian futures as well yes are you is is it now replacing the uh smart handset that you're holding in front of you as you're walking down the street virtually tripping over does does that suddenly is that what this is all about and it enables um your virtual um social life to be kind of plastered over your real world i mean i'm not sure that's the answer but it's it's things that we need to consider but i think metaverse is bigger than that in that it basically it offers uh, brands the chance to extend the way and the detail they think about their, their physical presence. Um, I'm thinking about, uh, say, a fashion brand 
department stores, you know, the likes of Prada. I mean, for them to actually create a similarly beautifully crafted experience in the virtual world is quite an interesting uh, completing of the, of the world, the whole brand world. And I think that's where it sits. You're right, people like to get out there. They like to do the likes of Punch Drunk, but equally, we know that they're spending time on screen. Uh, and if you can create a world through that screen that is way better uh, than anyone else's, then you're, you're winning uh, on that. So I think it's two directions. And I think what's interesting is, as you pointed out, where they merge, where they begin to intersect, um, that, that's fascinating for us. Steve, thank you so much for being on the show today. Where can people find out more about you and Avant Garden? I'm, I'm on the, the likes of LinkedIn if you want to say hi. Um, but yes, tra- track us down, avantgarde.net. Excellent. Well, thanks for being on the show today. This is great. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening. For more content like this and to learn about Advertising Week Europe coming back live in London May 16th through the 19th, visit www.advertisingweek.com. Chaptering and other structural elements for this podcast are powered by Snackable AI. With the ability to unify all content in one place, have AI distill the best insights instantaneously, and share them seamlessly, businesses on Snackable create more relevant value for their audiences faster than ever before. Learn more at snackable.ai.